Yeah. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know you really viewing greatness in the making. Double up on facts, we stating. Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation. So what you saying? What we saying? Prime information. Facts, keys to the city. We unlocking the statements. Streaming every Friday. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. We are streaming on all social media platforms at Keys to the City. Subscribe, comment, share, and like. What a show we got for you today. There is a lot to talk about. We will have Lee Joseph Aguirre join us in a little while to talk about how the MLB should handle their new issue. MLB always dealing with some sort of issue. Now they got to deal with another one, the illegal substance with pitchers. Could this be... Referred to as maybe the steroid era for pitchers. We'll talk about that. And should the Yankees and Garrett Cole be worried about it? We'll talk about that. All, all of that. The Yankees look like they, um, well, what else is new? They take care of the Twins, and they've been doing that for a 1,000 years, it seems like. They just own the Twins. But we'll talk about that in a little while. Plus, we'll talk some NBA playoffs. The Nets, they're, I know they lost last night, but they look like they're in a comfortable situation. We'll also talk about which team currently that is now 2-0 in the Western Conference. Think about this. In the beginning of the year, who would have thought we could have a Utah Jazz, Phoenix Suns, Western Conference Finals? But are the Nuggets or Clippers more likely to come back from the 2-0 deficit? But let's start off with this because well, we do talk football, but no, we're not going to talk about the NFL today. And no, we don't want to talk about Aaron Rodgers' ongoing situation with the Green Bay Packers until he is traded we will not be talking Aaron Rodgers unless something major happens, like I said. Nothing. I want to start off with college football because there's a big rumor going around, big proposal going around that the college football playoff is looking to expand. Now, we got to think about this. When this whole first came down eight years ago, when they changed from the BCS from two teams to four teams, this was a huge step. We thought in the right direction. Well, now we're looking like we're getting a little too – Given it's kind of like to me, almost like a participation trophy nowadays, because everybody needs participation trophies now, right? That it's the way society works. So when we see this 12, we see 12 teams, and we got to take into consideration what college football has been for the past eight years. Since this college football playoff, I should specifically say, has officially been introduced to the football fans. Let's take into consideration, is this the right number? Is this the ideal number for college football currently? Is 12 teams the right number? We can talk a lot about this, but, Ted, I want to get your take. 12. Hmm. Probably not. 12 is it's too a much. Lot. Right? 12 is a lot. This isn't college basketball. We just had Charles on it. We are talking about it. Listen, here's, here's what's going to be said about this. This is, this is a money thing first, okay, for everyone. This is money for the players. I think this is a good opportunity for them to get paid. Now, a lot of people are going to say, I don't agree with them. They're college athletes. Stop. It's a $9 billion business. They're going to make more money off this. Pay the players. You're going to play in 15 games. Stop. There's 110,000 people every weekend in the thing paying hundreds of dollars for tickets. What the kids, I don't know if you know, Trev. Oh, actually, probably you don't know this because you don't live in Connecticut. So Connecticut just passed a bill that Connecticut athletes can now make money off of their name. Just passed in the state of Connecticut. So I was thinking on that sense, it could help Connecticut basketball, men's basketball. Like, hey, come here. You're a superstar. You can make some money off of yourself here, or you might not be able to. Now, listen, I know there's boosters and people make money, but let's get back to the subject in hand. The subject in hand is 12 teams. Is it the right number? No, too much. Eight, I think, is, a, is the right amount. 12, because here's, here's where we're going to gather at. You're probably, at the end of the day, going to have the same four teams you would have at the end of at the end of the process that you would have if you just had a four team playoff, you know, is the, is coastal Carolina really going to be Alabama? No, like no one was beating Alabama this year. It didn't matter if you were the two seed or the 12 seed. And it wouldn't matter the year before when it was LSU Clemson mm-hmm. couldn't hold, you know, couldn't hold their grapes with them. And this, and this so, is well, the yeah. reason why and the reason why I'll say eight is because you could have the five major conferences, and you could have three wild cards. I think with 12, what that does is now you're going to see possibly you could have three or four SEC teams in there. I mean, because you already have two SEC teams half the time in the final four. So now you're talking the SEC and the Big Ten, like Penn States and Ohio States and Wisconsin's and Michigan's are only going to get richer in the SEC and, and, and other conferences are not. You know, you're going to get one Cincinnati 
one Central Florida, you know, one USC, and then you're going to get four SEC teams, two Big Tens, and maybe two Big 12 teams, Texas or TCU or Baylor, and then Oklahoma. So I wanted to get, I, I, let me let me say this, and then I'll, I'll actually we do have the Joseph McGuire. I'll bring him in in a sec, but I wanted to say when we were talking with Chaz, specifically me and you, I think he's 100 percent right in what he said in a specific thing that really caught my eye, and he's I agree with him a million percent. Is he said you almost needed, especially the past couple of years, you almost needed like the four teams. You didn't even need the four team playoff. You almost needed like the BCS. And I and I that hit me because when you think about what college football has been, and what even when the college football playoff began back in 2014, is the fact or 2015 when they first started is the fact that we've had the same teams, we've had Alabama, have Clemson. There's been five consistent teams, and you were like, well, you got Florida, you got Oregon. Yes, that's true. There are other outsiders. But when we specifically look at the college football playoff history, yeah, it's been Alabama, it's been Clemson, it's been Ohio State. Those have been the definitely the without and question. Oklahoma's Oklahoma pretty much been in it. Oklahoma's pretty much in the running every year. It seems like, and then you have like Georgia would be the only other team I would say. Everybody else has been like an outsider and for since 2019 and last year and even with Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, that team, you almost felt like it was – it could have been the BCS would have been more, made more perfectly, was a better fit the past couple of years than the college football playoff because those teams were just above – everybody else Alabama nobody was beating Alabama not even Clemson and Trevor Lawrence we saw that when Ohio State beat them and then Ohio State got their asses kicked too even with LSU two years ago nobody was beating that team and with Trevor Lawrence nobody was beating that team so if anything the past couple years the BCS would have probably been a better fit than the college football playoff the 14 playoff the only thing is like so like the Pac-12 so you don't have the Pac-12 what's up Joey boy Yo, hey, hey, what's I mean, going on, fellas? What did you just get out of the sauna or something? Hitting the one, punches, ones and twos? <laughs> remember the time that he, remember he was playing the video when he had that uh, thing on? He was playing the boxing oh, thing. Oh, the glass, bro. Yeah, he was bobbing and weaving, bro. He was in the... So, Joe, I, you probably know what we're talking about, college football. I do. Playoff, yeah. The 12-team t- playoff. So, we ha- I was talking to my buddy Chaz. Trev, we had him on speakerphone right before the show. We were talking about it. And Trev's question was, do you think the 12-team playoff is the right number? And, you know, if it's not, what is the right number? Blah, blah, blah. I said 12 is too much because you're just diluting the product and the regular season. You know, what made college football so intriguing before any of this playoff was every game mattered. Now, you could lose a game early in the season and probably regain your status by the end of the season depending on how the, you know, the dominoes fell. But now you're talking about 12, and Trev and me were just getting to the point was, was really Coastal Carolina or BYU or Cincinnati going to beat the Alabama last year? Was anyone going to beat LSU the year before? Was anyone going to beat the Trevor Lawrence and Clemson? Probably not. But this is just more of a money grab for the NCAA to say, hey, listen, we can make more money. Though the players with this status can say, hey, your your, your bonuses and money is going to go up. Now you got to pay us. Now the players can get paid. And, and then I'll let you I take it. I think that's the only win of that situation, Joe, would be the players are getting paid. But oh, that recognition I don't see, I don't see how this could be a, a win-win. I know this was an inevitable situation. I thought eight would have been the ideal number. Twelve seems a little too out of out of reach. And realistically, it just seems like okay. Now you're just like okay, guys. Well, here you go. You can let's get every let's try to get everybody in. I think eight would have been ideal. I don't know how you feel about it, Joe. Well, so my understanding is uh, the top four would get a buy. Yep. And so you would basically have. You know, you're you're what fourth or five through through twelve, yeah. Uh, playing in a in a in a little uh, a, a mini tournament, which would just I mean, so they don't they'd only be playing one more game. I don't have a big problem with that in terms of, and you're you're right, Ted. I mean, was Coastal Carolina going to beat Alabama? No, but you know what? I was curious to see if it was going to be like eighty five to nothing, or if it was going to be like. 56 28 and you're like well, well they hung for a few minutes it would have just been nice to see that i think with the 12 what's going to happen is is you're not going to punish anybody in the sec 
or, uh, you know, in, in the Big Ten, it's going to allow you, if there is a Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina, bring them along. And if and if not, then you know what? A&M can go and Florida can go. They'll never Listen, there'll never be a shortage of teams to put in this tournament. And, and let's face facts, Ted, probably 10 of them have no chance. Well, how realistic. 10, how of many- have, 10 of them have no chance to win. How many of those teams of those 12 teams are either are either um SEC or Big Ten teams? That dominate college football right now. Pretty so much. like well, let's let's just take the top ten last year, okay? You had Alabama, yep. Florida, Georgia, and Texas AM. So that's four teams automatically. That's one third of your your top twelve. Big ten is down here. Big ten is huh? down. Big okay. Ten had a down year yeah. last year. Just so Ohio you have, State. So Ohio State, you have Clemson. So that's another two. Oklahoma. Yeah. That's like oh. eight. Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, BYU, that's 11. And then you sneak in the Pac-12 team. Actually, the Pac-12 team would have not made it last year. No Pac-12 team would have made the tournament last year. Well, they would have um, had to with the rules. They would have had to. Well, see, with no, the they 12, not. they're in. No, no, with there's the 12, no conference champion. There's no conference champion. Yeah. Well, Kirk, um, Kirk Herbstreit says something too. You have teams like in the top twenty at the end of the year in like November, December, game, or whenever they start this. And if this goes through, you're going to have teams in the top twenty that are still having an opportunity to play. Like who would have thought that? Like a couple of years ago. My thing was Joe. Before I brought you on, and I, I wonder was if you were listening. The past couple of years specifically, it felt like the BCS would have been a better fit than the college football playoff. Because you looked at what Trevor Lawrence and when he became the official quarterback of Clemson, how they were that they were the best team in college football that year. Nobody was beating them. And then Joe Burrow's year, nobody was beating that team. And then last year, Alabama, this past year, nobody was beating Alabama. If anything, it felt like the BCS would have been a better fit because of the fact that you have these consistent teams, especially the top three. You have Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Those are like the and even Oklahoma, you can add. It feels like the BCS would have been a better fit. I don't know if you feel the same, but just because of those three or four teams that have been dominated, it just feels like 12 teams is kind of just pushing it now. Well, listen. Well, hold on. Listen, uh, b- bottom line is, I mean, you know, when, when the NCAA expanded to 64, people were like, that's nuts. That's too many teams. And then a few years ago, they were like, 68? Like, what a randomly weird number. And, and you know what I mean? It takes some getting used to. There's going to be years where you're going to want to have the 12, and there's going to be years where you're going to like, we need four. Four would do. I feel so, like it's, been like, I feel like it's that, that's how it's been since it began. Like, you have a couple of outsiders. Well, let's, hold on, but let's see what happens now Now that the, the transfer portal's open and guys don't have to sit, and let's see what kind of swing that has. Because not for nothing, look, Alabama took a big hit this year, right? With with all the guys that went on to the NFL, they also lost some lost some guys through the transfer portal. So all of a sudden, Alabama, they're always going to be. They'll always. Of be course, the they are, dude. I told you guys last year, all the five star recruits all go to Bama. They all go to Georgia, or they go That's to Ohio. Ohio That's pretty much the only places they're going, but. Now you're running into a spot where, look, you're a five-star recruit. You're a junior. You're still not starting. There's a guy in front of you. You can go to Oklahoma and start now. Or, Why wouldn't you do that? So, I, again, I think you're going to just – I think you're going to start to see just a little more spreading of the talent. Well, here's the thing. If college football really wants to spread the talent, then you got to limit the amount of scholarships for each school. Because when Alabama can give – I I should have known the number before I said it, but a certain amount of number of scholarships, they can double down on all all the five star recruits. But if you limit the amount of scholarships that each school can give, and now you you can't go get five five star quarterbacks from the country. Now you can only get one, and and then that means talent is spread out throughout the. Because here's the thing, you Joe, you said it right before us. Same talent goes to Clemson, Alabama. Oklahoma, Ohio State. Go look at the recruiting the past 10 years. The same five schools that we talk about in the national championship picture are always in the top five in recruiting. Florida, nope. Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. I you know, think that, I think so that listen, the recruiting speaks volumes to what we're talking about. When the same five schools have the same the most talented 
country. They're going to be in the national championship picture. All this does is it adds value to the NCA and money. Hopefully the pay- players can get paid out of this. And that a Coastal Carolina will get an extra game in a big-time wreck. Like Joe said, Coastal Carolina will play Alabama. Yeah, they're probably going to get their rear ends kicked. But it'll give them a little more recognition than playing friggin' Navy in the poinsettia bowl on December 23rd. I it'll, think give they, them, I, it'll give them a bigger yeah. platform. Now, it, it, they're still not going to get the five-star recruit at Alabama, but maybe instead of the two-star, now you get the three-star. I think I think it's a win. It's the only thing that's a win for in this whole situation is the players, because if they get paid, then they ultimately win, and then it's just well, for teams that have an opportunity. Other than that, I think, and I th- I agree with Chaz too. After one year, you might be just like, okay, well, both teams was fun, but in the sense of the dominance that it's been with the SEC and the Big Ten and with and with Clemson and stuff, it just feels like twelve is just like. Can I ask you both a question? You're just pushing it. You're trying to give people a chance, but you deep down know with with any and the scholarship change, unless you make a change to that, you're still going to have the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Let me ask you a question. Oklahoma's and Georgia's always in that picture, without question. Before, Before you continue your segment, let me just ask you both a question. Do you prefer a two team playoff where every game matters? Right or a two-team, you know, championship where every game matters, where you can't afford to lose one game, or are you more empowered? Where like, hey, it's November, and if you only have four-team playoff, now think about this: you have the two-team playoff, right? You know, you lost a game or two, you're automatically out. Meaning your games in November don't mean squadouche, okay? They don't mean nothing. But now with a 12-team playoff, you still have an opportunity to be part of the show. You know what I'm saying? So do you want it where every game matters? Or do you want it where, like, hey, November, you still have a chance to play? Because there's a difference. Joe, the game doesn't matter in November Joe. if you lose a game or two. But now if you win a game, if you lose those game or two, well, you said still it make something in November. Listen, not for nothing, but if you're Florida, you're Miami, you're Texas A&M, I mean, even if you're done, even if you're eight and two and there's no chance that you're going to the championship, they're still coming out. People are still coming out for those games. They're not as excited about them. But you as a player are going, you know what? Here's the the other thing we didn't even think about this, Trev, is now you think about this. If your team is not in the national championship like four was, Kyle Pitts sits out. Christian McCaffrey sits out. This guy Mm -hmm. sits out. If you if you think Florida and Kyle Pitts is sitting out, Kadarius Tony, if if they're in the twelve team playoff this year, no, obviously not. not. Probably not, right? Because you have a chance to win a national championship. So does that keep players playing in the major bowl games than a McCaffrey or a Kyle Pitts or you know whoever? It helps the players because they could get paid, and but it's not going to change the fact that you're still going to have the consistent of the top premier teams in college football always there in that contention. It doesn't matter who's in it that year. I mean, it's just always going to be Alabama. It's always going to be Clemson. It's always going to be Ohio State, Oklahoma, and even Georgia, you can add, with some outsiders. I would have said I would have stuck with, a, hell, with the past couple of years, how the dominance has been with teams, specific teams. The BCS would have been a better fit than, a college, than the four-team playoff because of just what's been going on. Unless they change with the scholarships, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see how the 12 team goes. We'll see what the proposal, we'll see if it gets accepted and we'll see when this officially becomes the new regime. I guess we should say in college football, let's move over to baseball. One last thought. You, you clearly hate the mid majors. That's what I take out of this. You, you don't want to see the coast of Carolinas and the Cincinnati's of the world compete. You say me you or make, Trevor. Trevor does. Trevor is very anti the small school. Even I don't know. Well, I love the small school. I don't know where this snobbery has come from, but he just <laughs> wants Ohio State to play Alabama in the championship game every year. And I'd like to see some. I just. I would like to see some different things. I get it. I would love to see something different too, but we got to be realistic <laughs> too. We got to be. We, Joe, all kidding aside, we got to You know, like I know. Yeah, but you know what? Hold on, honestly, the, and and so not for nothing. But you just mentioned basketball. Think about before. You know, there was a time like Wichita State. Ha ha! They'll never beat Georgetown. And now, 
right? I mean, it's one of those, like, it's a destination where people go to. How did we get there? Well, you needed to put more teams in the tournament, which gave more teams a chance for the upset. Some teams rode those upsets, and bam, there you go. And so if you're you're a small school, the only way you're ever going to get on the map is to, to beat a big boy, and most of these schools can't even schedule one let alone beat one. You got, you got to invite here. Here's the thing. You got to be invited to the show to get an opportunity to participate. If you're not invited and Joe, I used that reference before, before we did the show, I said about Gonzaga, when they played UConn back in the day in 99, when they were in the lead eight, and then you start seeing them every year in the tournament and you start seeing them play well. And then you blah, blah, blah. Now you look at where Gonzaga is. You don't look at Gonzaga as a mid-major anymore. You look at them as a powerhouse. You guys are forgetting one thing though. I know it's basketball. It's no, only no, 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 no. There's no Nick Saban in college basketball. <laughs> There's no Nick Saban, and he just got a contract yeah, extension too. Yeah, so he's, retiring. he's retiring this year. Who? Coach okay. K was beatable. Coach K was beatable. Alabama, Alabama yeah, and Saban listen, have not. Alabama, Saban doesn't lose. Yeah, but basketball, basketball is different. Okay. The man's man. lost 30 games with Alabama since he's been there. It's different though. Lose. And coach, and we're talking about who they represent. No, I, I, I know, I know. And I don't hate the, Joe. I don't hate the mid majors, but it's just I'm just trying to be. I mean, it, it, listen, it's like Dabo Calipari. You know what I mean? Urban Meyer was, you know, Roy Williams. You know, you you still have the three big coaches, and they get the number one recruits every year. The Kentuckys, the Dukes. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I understand. I understand. Kansas is. So and, and now and now Mark uh, Mark Frey from Gonzaga now he's getting back to back he's getting the number one player in the country who played at the same school that Suggs played at last year so the Gonzaga is not getting three star recruits they're getting five star number one what recruits. else is new another subject where where Ted and Joe go two on one against me it's always Joe calls me up saying that I'm a hater of mid majors and, and Ted what does Ted do we agree. <laughs> No, he didn't, Joe, he didn't say you're him. not. Yeah, he I, didn't defend you. I'm all on your side. Yeah, he didn't help. He's defending you, Joe. I'm all on your side with the bigger schools. Listen, at the no, end I, of the day, we know what it. Ohio State's got a thousand people on their team. Their second team would kick the crap out of Coastal Carolina. Let's face it. Alabama's second team is better than half the schools in the country's first teams. That's the facts, and that's why their depth matters. Well, you want to know the facts right now? The MLB has a major issue to deal with now. Is this what now? else is new? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just like first you had the steroid <laughs> era in the '90s, and that continued on into the 2000s, and then you had the stealings, stealing signs, and that whole debacle. Now you got another issue. What a boy, oh boy! The MLB just loves to get into some high drama, and they love. They just love it. They bring it on. They they enjoy it, and. You see this right now. Is this like the steroid era for pitchers now? And the reason why I – and you said how they should handle it. And I wanted to also bring this point up because this is the big name that we've been hearing associated with this whole situation. Should the Yanks and Garrett Cole be worried about this whole situation if he is caught with actual illegal substances? Can I, answer, can I interrupt? All right. I don't know why we're making such a big deal about this crap. I really – Listen, this MLB and cheating have been correlated together since day one. They're like a long-lasting relationship. They were cheating in the early 1900s, okay? They've been cheating throughout. It's been cheating through baseball. Cheating and baseball go hand in hand. They walk down the aisle together. If it's not steroids, it's amphetamines. Wouldn't you think the pitchers in the 1930s weren't doing stuff? I mean – Licking the ball, the they've changed rules and th- they baseball and cheating have been going on forever. I mean, forever. The thing is, how much do they listen? Baseball knew what was going on in the steroid era, but then what happened was the pitchers were like, "Yo, we can't get these guys out no more. We can't." We so someone rats, someone makes a big play, and MLB is like, "Listen, two years ago when we were having this argument, Joe liked the juice balls. Okay, so we had juice balls." Okay, Major League Baseball. Then all of a sudden, I don't know if you guys saw Pete Alonso's comments. Have you guys seen Pete Alonso's comments? Please you tell me. Yeah, yeah I love okay. it. About how and he called MLB. And he goes, don't blame the players. He goes, he said, leave th- this alone, this subject. 
He goes, I'd rather, he goes, he just saw a teammate get hit in the face. I'd rather the guy have stuff on his fingers to control the 95 mile an hour fastball than worry about where that ball is going. Cause we've already seen an abundance of guys getting hit this year. And that mm-hmm. means they got stuff on their hands. Another thing I was going to say to us, Joe, you probably have heard this. I guess players, and I heard Michael K said that the Major League Baseball should go to the Japanese ball. I guess the Japanese ball is made differently than the American ball. It has a little more tackiness, natural to the the, the actual to the uh, the rubber of the ball, the actual grip, um, compared to the American ball, the, the Major League Baseball. I just think it's it's all bull, it's all baloney. I just like who cares. You know, one thing we had juice balls, and it was all oh, we got too many home runs or too many. But this is no good. This is no good. So we'll take we'll take the juice balls out. We'll make the balls diluted. Make them all waterlogged, and the pitchers will now can have tackiness. Well, the pitchers are too good now. Now we got to wrap like make your mind up, bro. You you guys you guys suck on the instant replay. I mean, they are awful on instant replay. Major League Baseball is a joke. Is a joke. Let's just put tennis balls and bongo bats, and let's just hit bombs. Let's just see what happens. Let's play. No, what we should do? We should just get a. It just should be a big ass wiffle ball tournament. I'm just so sick of it. I'm just my attention. You got my attention now. I'm just, I'm just so, I'm just so sick of it because every time no, we talk about baseball, we don't talk about baseball. We talk about everything. Uh, we talk about replay. We talk about tackiness. We talk about juice balls. We talk. Who gives a shit? Uh, who? Yeah, okay. yeah, we know Ted. Ted's always Ted. Listen, I'm in favor of the steroids. No That's one wants to see little Teddy hitting the ball at five feet. Hit the ball. Five, I, five Joe, how do you feel? How do you feel, Joe? Ted's I've done. always, oh. I've always been in favor of steroids. No, um, <laughs> listen, this, uh, this is so stupid because look, I mean, you know, my goodness, as long as I've been alive. Someone's at some point been accused of doctoring the baseball. I remember Joe Necro when the nail file popped out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, pine tar, pine tar, Pineda. Oh yeah, I mean, my goodness. Again, I, I I think the expression "you aren't trying." What is it? You aren't. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You ain't trying. There you go. That's a baseball. That's a baseball saying. Yeah. yeah, that's literally a baseball saying. This has been going on forever. You alluded to the '70s with the with the with the quaaludes and the popping the amphetamines. In the '80s, it was cocaine. In the in the '90s, it was steroids. <laughs> do you, do you blame the pitchers for doing anything? For putting that little sticky icky on the ball? I mean, these guys have been hitting 800 foot home runs for the last five years. If I'm a pitcher, yeah, let me even the playing field and not for nothing. Whether it's juice baseballs or guys using something, some performance enhancing something or other, it's it's like it's never stopped. And you can sort of look around the league at times and you can sort of tell when like, well, that guy, huh? That's weird. I can't help but think that, you know, Barry Bonds used the clear. You guys remember that substance he was yeah. using? On the arm. What was that? And who's to say you couldn't make a different kind? Because if you remember, they they never did have a test to figure out how to test for that stuff. So I'm sure there's still guys that are that are using different performance enhancers. Um, you know, Garrett Cole's answer the other day I thought was was interesting. I know everybody hated the first 12 seconds where he was like, I Hmm. Don't know how to answer that oh, question. Oh. And oh. then he talked about, listen, these things passed down from pitcher to pitcher through the generations. Well, whatever this, this whatever the sticky so. icky is, everybody uses it. Everybody knows about it. You remember Trevor Bauer was all over Garrett Cole until his spin rate got really great. And then he shut his mouth. So yeah, everybody's doing it. And the ones that aren't are, it's obvious because those are the guys that suck. I wish Louis Sessa would get some of that sticky icky. <laughs> Do you want to know how he replied to his answer? I'll tell you how it said. This is exactly how it said. It said, um, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if uh I don't I don't quite know how to answer that to be honest. That's how he replied. Why do you sound like Scott Boris telling him to lie? Yeah, and he oh, didn't lie when the situation yeah, came up. 
Because well, here's the thing. If he lies. He, hold on. He was answering specific. They asked him if he ever used whatever it is, sticky ticky, whatever, whatever the word yes, they use. Spider tack. Spider tack. Yeah, spider tack. And so maybe he doesn't use spider tack. He uses like beetle tack. And he was like, hmm. But Joe, here's the thing. I don't know how to answer that because I don't use that specific one. My concoction's not spider. It's more of a ladybug concoction. But so you lose situation. He, yes. And the reason why I say he's a loser is because if he admits he's using it, he's a cheater. And if he doesn't admit it and gets caught, he's a he's liar. A liar. Like A Rod. So, so the next manager, Yankees. Let's go. You remember when A Rod was on with Katie Couric on CBS? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she was like, yeah, the blue Oh, yeah. On. He was all well, tanned. He looked like a. Yeah. And he looked. Dead square in America's favorite news lady's eyes, and he was like, "No, I've never done steroids. Why would you ask me that?" <laughs> <laughs> I look how that's going about. I yeah. have never done steroids in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's you know what's so frustrating about this is that when you see like football, football, there's always great. There's always a lot of good to talk about. In basketball, there's a lot of good to talk about too. Yeah, when there's it's cheating, baseball. it's only the Patriots generally. So <laughs> exactly. that works out because they're good. So well, when we talk baseball, it always feels like it's just negative. It's always more bad than like the play in the field. Like we're, we we just feel like we're just that's what baseball has come to. It's like what's going to happen next? What's going to what's going to come out next for baseball? It's always something going on that's not being shown or being displayed on the field. That's what's frustrating for me. Well, Wouldn't you agree, though, if we were talking about the action on the field, that also would be poor since the hitting is at a historically pathetic low? Is, but is this, does this play a big part of that then? Do you think spider tacky stuff just came out last year? You think they oh, just no. found it now? I mean, they've been using it forever. Yeah, I think that's, the, that's what I'm saying. This yeah, is, the guys, the, the batters have no right to complain here at all, Ted. They Again, they've been cheating for years, and if – if a few more guys are using spider tack and that's and everyone's pissed about that, well, sorry, boys, take your lumps. Well, so Peter Alonzo's comments, Trev, you saw them, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought they were very intriguing to see it from a, from that other perspective that he goes, Major League Baseball has done this purposely to affect the free agency. Because he was – I'll explain it to whoever's seen it. So this year's free agent class, up and coming, so after this season, is all about the big hitters. A lot of great shortstops on the market. A lot of great shortstops. Javi Baez, Trevor Story, Correa, just just a few of the Yankee Yankee right there. Let's bring it in, baby. With that being said, he's saying they docked the balls to make them diluted so these guys are not putting up the astronomical numbers. Just think about it. Say Correa and Trevor Story and Baez, right? They go for 30-plus home runs, hit close to 280, 300, you know, 100 RBIs. You're gonna be a free agent next year. Your your market value is astronomical. You know what I mean? It's it's huge. And and then, but if if here's the thing, if you have bad numbers, it's hard to say. Well, I'm worth three hundred million dollars. You, you in in that perspective. So Alonzo was saying the other thing. Well, now th- this past year, what was the big thing? The pitchers, right? The pitchers were the big free agent uh, calling cards this year. Well, what did they do? They gave the juice balls the past years. So the numbers of the pitchers were higher up. So you can't be like, yep, he's, I think pitching, that, he's got a four-year How am I going to give him $320 million? I mean, you think about Coles last year for Houston. Now, he didn't win the Cy Young, which is incredible. His teammate Verlander did. But, I mean, he had 20 wins, I believe. He had over yeah. 300 Ks. I mean, his numbers were astronomical for the Astros. And, 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 and look at the money he got from the Yankees. I think the he, game got, he got 300. Could you imagine, Joe, if we were talking about this 10 years ago, that a pitcher would have got $300 million? No, no. Well, so look, I mean, isn't that what it's, I think if you're talking about from like um, a team standpoint, you're concerned about the Dow, right? I mean, that's a lot of money to spend. The Yankees, are you telling me the Yankees didn't know when they gave him all that dough that they didn't know that he was doing that? Well, I mean, he was playing for the Astros. They were cheaters. Sure. Already, so. Absolutely. But, you know, for years, uh, his spin rate and, and, you know, the fact that he 
and and Verlander got together and and seemingly were off the charts the way those two were pitching. So nothing there surprised me. And I think if you're signing anybody from Houston, even if it's the manager, uh, you know, you're you're hiring a manager out of there. You you had to know that there was a lot of shadiness going on. Yeah. And but again, this just speaks to the fact that during the steroid era, just I mean, teams don't care at all. As long as as long as things are going well and they're making money, they don't care. I think the game I think the game that really changed everything with this whole pitching and stuff and made pitching become at least reasonable now because it seemed like at one point pitching was just there was no pitching anymore. When we talk about it all the time, it was the craziest baseball game I've ever seen. It was the Yankees and Red Sox in Japan. First inning was 14 oh. runs nine. It was but eight I nine. Think- the Yankees scored eight runs, and then Boston came in and scored six, and, and Tanaka was gone in the first inning, and I was like, what the hell's going on with the ball? That was, that-, that was bad for baseball fans, good for the fans where they were doing it, because here's the thing. Do you oh, think they, they love- wanted to see two the to baseball one? Fans, I remember Joe says it all the time. That You watch that game, and you're like, what the hell was that? What did I just watch? Yeah, it was Those great. Were juice balls, Those were some juice. Well, yeah, but when you when you see Aaron Hicks and uh, Michael Chavis hitting bombs, like actual a- absolute no doubters, like guys that have pop, but just like you see how the ball came off, it just sounded different. You're like that was just that was I thought a tone setter of changing the way pitching became now and you see pitching now this this year a lot of no hitters going on and maybe that's due to this whatever illegal but it does show that major league baseball messed with the balls because you go yeah. from one year where you got home runs at astronomical numbers to now all of a sudden the guys can't hit the ball that means listen you shouldn't be messing with the balls every year NBA doesn't change the football i mean basketball and nfl doesn't change the way the football is i mean they have over time they but they don't change the the uh, you know the pressure in it. We're going to make the ball flat so the guys can kick the ball or catch it or make it harder. Only so the Patriots. They do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Whatever. But I mean, it's just why, why do you keep messing with things? Either, either listen. Either allow everything to cheat, meaning let's have juice balls and allow tackiness, or we don't have anything. I just. How do you think I, this ultimately? You're rooting because it gives a bad perspective, and the players listen. This is going to play a huge account when they have to do the CBA. You, you're going to have players not trusting the unions again. What are you typing up? <laughs> I'm hearing you, bro. I'm hearing you, man. I'm saying, Yo. listen to me, baby. <laughs> There's there's uh there's definitely gonna be an issue. How do you think this is, how do you think this gets solved? I don't I, here's how it's gonna get solved. Like everything baseball does is they're gonna hopefully in the next few weeks something worse will happen and we'll focus on that. You'll see. It's it is. It's it's like it, it always ends up that way where like nothing in baseball quite ever resolves. It's like anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah, just there'll be some new scandal for us to talk about. You no, know, okay, so do you think Cole gets um suspended? No. I don't. First of all, it he can keep using it for another week. He's got another week to play with it. So <laughs> That's so kind of messed it. up, but it's true. Cheat until you know you can't get caught. Because here's the thing: keep that ERA low, so that when you don't have the stuff and your ERA goes up a point, eh, who cares? It's only three point two. I think, it was, I think it was a great thing to see the other night, though, him bouncing back like that and become and showing Garrett Cole, and especially getting Donaldson that rat. He like threw that. his four was, hardest pitches. He looked, he looked good. He threw his four hardest good. pitches. His spin rate. Was was incredibly high, and listen, you don't think he had a little more extra juice against for that guy? I mean, he made Donaldson look like a fool, bro. Here's the thing: I'm not talking to any Yankees today because we just beat the Twins, and why? You know, and he's asking why. Well, we always beat the Twins. There's nothing new. Oh, the offense finally scored runs. Yeah, well, they played the Twins. The Twins are one of the worst teams in baseball. I'm not talking Yankees this you week told, because you told the record I sent you, right? There's nothing good about – oh, yeah. I'm not surprised. The Yankees have been dominating the Twins since since I've been watching baseball. Since what, I was a little kid. Like, no. There's, there's a couple of – What do you matter? You don't like that I'm interrupting you? No, Ted. You just shut your to- – just shut it. You know what? <laughs> you know what I don't like? Chapman wasn't wearing the long sleeves last night. And that's why I think he gave up the single, the home run, the single, the home run. 
Yeah, no one very comfortable. He was very comfortable. When he's comfortable, he doesn't pitch well. That's disappointing to see last night. That's that's a game that they should not be letting up. You can't that that's that's inexcusable, especially with the way he's been pitching this year. But we know that the Yankees have been dominating the Twins. Since I've been watching it, it's it's been an inevitable. It's literally every time the Yankees play the Twins, doesn't matter if it's in Minnesota or it's in Yankee Stadium. I'm not talking to Yankees this week. Sorry, Joe. I got nothing. You want to give me Hold on. I know Joe's really excited because his boy is playing really well. So Joe, I'm gonna give you the floor and then I'm kicking it. He's not playing that well. He's still bad two twelve. Hey, listen, well, Gary Sanchez, in his last 12 games, Gary Sanchez hitting 353, couple of homers, six RBIs. He hasn't gotten thrown out on the base paths in at least three games. He's probably so cheating. that's impressive. <laughs> hey, listen, it, the fact of the matter is, is if this uh, – hey, let me point out, by the way, Glaber Torres is now second on this team in batting average, only behind Aaron Judge. That's another guy who's super hot right now. I think if, if the Yankees are going to make something of this season, you're going to need Gary and Glaber to be some something near what they've been in years past. Because I'll tell you what, when you look around, you look around, dude. I mean, there's Kyle Gasioka. It was pretty quick, pretty fast. He's not a major league everyday catcher. If Gary can't do the job, and the Yankees aren't going to go out there and cut their losses. And it it looks to me like there's no money to spend. The Yankees have no money to spend right now. They there's no money. Under the cap. There's six under the cap. They are yes, and they're going to be. They're not going to spend that until July 31st, and it'll be out of absolute necessity. Mm-hmm. So this is the team that we have, and everybody can hate Gary, and everybody can be down on Glaber, but. The chances of either one of those guys getting moved in a significant deal is pretty low. However, the way the both of those guys have been hitting the last two weeks, again, they might have either found some value back or if the Yankees are stuck with them, at least these two guys are hitting and they're not killing the Yankees with their defense. The last two weeks have been pretty solid. If they can build off of that, maybe – all I'll say is this was what was our topic right before what you just said. Maybe pitchers ain't using the stuff no more, so now you'll start seeing the lineup hit better. I did mention that last week. Will that change anything? I'll tell you one thing. Stan is so strong. He hit that change up last night, a nine iron, Trevor, and he hit it like 350 yards. It was like Bill Murray County. I think my seven iron, 258 yards. Uh, well, we got to hold that one. <laughs> Joseph, I will get a good impression. We will talk to you next week. Oh, we're done? Awesome. Well, yeah, no. I'm out. I'm going to tap out here. Um, <laughs> by the way, just throw this down for everybody. Um, Saturday night, Marvin Vittori will beat Israel Adesanya. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Teddy, they fought three three years ago. It's the major card. Diaz is fighting this week. Diaz is fighting, baby. Hold on. Vittori and Adesanya fought three years ago. Yes. And I've watched this fight like three times now. And I'll tell you right now, Marvin Vittori won that fight. He won the second and he dominated the third round. He is shorter. His arm length is shorter. Do you think that's going to play a factor? Um, he's a grappler, dude. And if you've if you've watched any time Adesanya, including the Blahovitz fight, where he got in trouble, can't get off his back when he gets there. Vittori took him to the ground in the first fight. Again, I don't know how that the the, the scoring system's a joke. Vittori should have won the first fight. For the last two years, I'm the only person that's been screaming about a rematch. It's finally happening. Adesanya wouldn't even entertain it until Dana made him do it. Didn't, oh. didn't Joe call the last fight? Didn't Joe call, like, what was that fight that Joe did call? Joe calls them all. Who just, who Joe, Joe what was the one? You said you called that major one. You're like, he's getting out. I was like, no way. Oh, McGregor. McGregor, you did call the McGregor fight. I did call Poirier McGregor. I've been on a run. I've been I've been hitting these things pretty well. I also you called the big boxing match last weekend. Joe, let's go 50 on it, Joe. Oh, he's, he's probably not, plus we're not talking about that big boxing fight. Joseph, as always, we'll, we'll see what happens. Saturday night, a big UFC card, a huge card. Nate the Great is is coming back. I can't wait to see that. Against, it's, uh, Le- what is it? Leon, Leon Edwards. Edwards. 
Yeah, which is he's been on a tear, I've seen. So that should be and a great fight as well. Figueredo Moreno, too, is the undercard. They fought to a draw, but to be fair, Figueredo took the fight on on a three week turnaround from his first defense to that one. So he's got some unfinished business. It's gonna be a great weekend for fights, though. Absolutely. So, we'll get started on boys. Have a good weekend. Me too, brother. Stay All right. And that was the Joseph Aguirre. You could check him out at Podcaster Joe on Twitter, or you can check him out on Clovercrest Media. Why are you looking at me like that? What do you mean? If anybody, if anybody should be looking like that, it's the Clippers, LA Clippers fans base right now. Because what's going on with this Clipper team? We talk, we talk, we, we talk about no, we, oh, this team we've been talking about for the past two years since this whole Kawhi and Paul George teamed up. And they had a golden opportunity. I saw them in game one for a team that just came off a tough game, a seven-game series against the Dallas Mavericks to almost coming into Utah and an actual crowd. And that was, oh, my God, I am so happy that crowds are back in all sports. I can't wait to see it in football again. Thank you. Just I'm very happy to see fans back. It makes me it's, – it's, it's a great thing to say. And they had their opportunities. Again, last night, had their opportunities. But as we've seen the past two years, the Clippers, once again, late game issues are an abomination. And you see that. Plus, you also see the other Western Conference matchup, the Denver Nuggets, who their coach, Mike Malone, came out and said they gave up. And to see your coach, and I'm glad they called him out because that is a team that looks like, I don't know, the, the, the past two games, they don't even look competitive. At least Kawhi and the Clippers, those two games have been down, the, down to the wire. The Denver series just looks like it's, it just feels like Phoenix. Now it could be different when they go to Denver, but it looks like Phoenix could be taken on. So I want to ask you that question was, which team do you see more likely to come back down 2-0? Is it the Nuggets or is it the Clippers? pretty self-explanatory it's the clippers because they have the most talent it's not the nuggets if, if, if jamal if jamal murray was playing for the nuggets i'd give the nuggets a, a real chance because this nuggets team twice last year came down from 3-1 in both and se- two series last year to come back and win so they know how to fight back listen home teams they did what they were supposed to do they held home court advantage if you're the away team like the clippers and nuggets you're trying to split one and one so then you that you take home court advantage back. But the Jazz did what they were supposed to do, and the Suns did what they were supposed to do. Now, if we're going to talk about the Jazz Clippers for two seconds, the Clippers had their opportunity. They were up in the first game. They were up by double digits, and they blew it. And the and the Jazz took advantage, and they and and they played well. They played like the better team. They are not the more talented team, but they've played their chemistry and cohesiveness has been portrayed. On TV, from my perspective, you could see the fluidity, and that's even it speaks more impressively of how good they are. Considering Mike Conley has not played in the past two games, and he is a major factor for them. But here's the thing: Donovan Mitchell has played like the best player in that series. In that in that series, he has played like the best player. Even though Kawhi is the best player, Donovan Mitchell has played. He has been the showman. He has been the superstar in that series, and he has carried the Jazz in the past two games. What do you have, 45 in the uh, game one? 45 in game one in the last night. 37. 37 last night. I hope he didn't hurt his knee last night. I saw it at the end of the game. Uh, why is he even running over here? Just stay over in the corner. Runs over. He did hurt his knee a little bit last night. He, the thing, that's question, it's the Clippers because they go home. They've already been down 0-2, just like they were down against the Dallas Mavericks, and they proved yeah, that they came back. This is a this is a different this this is Utah yes, yes, absolutely. But here's the thing: a good defense. Here's the thing: the Clippers had the leading the game one. They actually had a game lead in late in game two after they were down. Excuse me, by 21, mm-hmm. which speaks, you know. They have the opportunity. They have the capability of winning and dominating. What they have to do is go win the two games home, mm-hmm. hold home court advantage for themselves, tie the series up two two, and make it a best out of three. That, that, really, that's what it comes down to. And the way the Clippers should look as we have the best player in Kawhi Leonard. Maybe we have the second best player in Paul George. We have the more talented team. We should win this series. Now, will they? Maybe. Maybe they won't. But right now, they just have to take care of business at home and send it back to Jazz, uh, back to Utah with a 2-2 tie. But your question was, who do you think? I would say the Clippers because they have the more talented team where the Denver Nuggets do not have Jamal Murray. And I think that's a major loss considering Chris Paul is dominating 
Yeah, I don't see. I don't see, um, I don't see either team coming back. Actually, to be honest with you, but if I had to pick, it would be the Clippers. Obviously, yeah, not having Jamal Murray. If Jamal Murray's playing. That's a game-changing move, and we saw him in the playoffs last year and what he can do scoring-wise, playmaking-wise, and just what he brings offensively for that Denver Nuggets offense. They can't rely on Nikola Jokic, the MVP, the new MVP, I should say. To they're not going to be able to rely on him to do it all. I mean, he's been great. He's been unbelievable this entire season kind of been struggling in this round against the Phoenix well, Suns. It really deed him up well, more power to that defense of the Phoenix Suns. That's why I think neither one of these series, are, I don't see either one of these teams coming back. I should say it's just because of the defensive presence that both Phoenix and the jazz bring to the table every night. The Clippers, yes, have a ta- more talented team than the Denver nuggets and even maybe the Utah jazz, but, there's something about that Utah team that they got. They got clutch shooting. They have a reliable six man and Jordan Clarkson, who's been great. And I wish the Lakers never got rid of him because he's become a very, very steady and consistent player in this game now. And you got Donovan Mitchell, who's been playing like the best player in this entire um, round right now in this series. Well, Rudy Gobert, the defensive player of the year. Yeah, the defensive you got the defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. He's been and great as well. I don't, I don't see what's happening. It's just how it is. And it's a fascinating to me that we could possibly see a Phoenix Suns, Utah Jazz, Western Conference Finals. But the crappy part about that is ultimately one of those two teams will have to play the other team on the Eastern Conference. And that is the new Brooklyn Nets. And we've seen what the Brooklyn Nets have been able to do. I know they lost last night, but I can't believe what the score was, which was more shocking to me. It was 86 to 83. You don't see that game anymore. You don't see 80 to 80s. This isn't the 1970s. That's I was the third quarter. But I could easily, the Nets have that series. The Nets are going to win game four. The Nets are going to go back home. They're going to beat, they're going to beat Milwaukee. It's going to be five. And then they're going to beat either Atlanta or they're going to beat Philly. It's just going to happen. The talent's going to rain. We already talked about this on Wednesday. The talent reigns supreme in the NBA, and the Nets, who are the villains of the NBA, are going to go to the NBA Finals, and they're probably going to win against either Utah or Phoenix, which is unfortunate because we'd love to see Chris Paul get his first title. And Utah has been always one of the most consistent places in the NBA and one of the better franchises, but just can't ever win one because they're great teams that they have to play. So it's unfortunate to see, but I don't see either one of these teams coming back from a 2-0 deficit. I just think that Phoenix and and the Jazz are just far better teams than them. And it showed in the regular season, and it's showing right now. And it showed in the first rounds, too. That's what it comes down to. I want to ask you one quick question. There's a lot of great young players in this game right now that are playing in the playoffs and, and that, not, that didn't make it. I want to ask you, you had to take your top three players, 25 and under, who would you take right now? Well, I don't know everyone that's 25 under, but, I mean, from what I've seen in the playoffs – you know, I'll just start with the three best West guys I've seen: Doncic, Mitchell, and Booker. Bang! I mean, there's my there's my big three in the West. Really, the East there hasn't been much young talent. It's a lot of the veterans. You know, I don't know if Simmons is under 25, but he hasn't really played well. I know defensively he's a master of defense. And Trey Young's yes, Trey Young's been really sensational. But what other he really? Tatum. He's under 25. Okay, but what I look at is Embiid, Embiid, Durant, Giannis. Those are the three big three that I would see in the East, and they're all older than that. But I would agree with you. It would be Trey Young, it would be Jason Tatum, and, uh, I mean, who else is – Top three players under 25 right now that – Right now, I would go, and this is tough because there's a lot of great one you're missing. The guys like I Zion. Think you said me on Instagram. I did agree yeah. with Don. Being I mean, because it's like there's a lot of great talent, and I really like you can't. I mean, Luca. Everybody loves Luca because of what he brings. Every offensively, he's unbelievably, but defense, he's horrible. He's not a good defender. Donovan Mitchell has been amazing. Jason Tatum. But if I had to pick my three, I'd go. I'm going. I would go Tatum one. I would go Doncic two. And I would go. I would go. Don, I, I like Donovan Mitchell. Donovan slightly, Donovan. Slightly, slightly over D book. And you I know, love. You know, and I love you know book. Mitchell reminds me of last night. The last couple of nights, a younger Dwayne Wade, young Dwayne Wade. But he shoots Bones. a. But he shoots a better three ball. He Bones shoots a better Bones. three ball. But his ability to get to his right hand and slash and and get through the lane is incredible. He shoots the ball well, and he plays a pretty. He plays. No, he, he tries. He tries well on defense. I'm taking Deep Book over Luca. That's what I want. That's me. 
I don't know. Do you, uh, you just can't go wrong. Like I said, the NBA well, has been Luka played better. Luka played better. Dean Book has disappeared in a couple I'm games. I'm going to go with different because everybody picks Luka. It's easy to pick Luka because – I mean, At the end of the day, there's a lot of great young talent throughout oh, this league. We're seeing it front and center. Jokic is a young guy. He's a young oh, yeah. guy playing really oh, well. I remember. It's, it's upsetting that we're not seeing Jamal Murray because he's another great young, talented player. That series mm-hmm. would have been very interesting. I think that series would be tied 1-1 maybe, if, if, if he's okay. playing. Series. Chris That's Paul awesome. has been the the commander-in-chief in that series. He he is everything that you could ask for in a leader, a player, a point guard. I mean, what do you have, 15 assists the other game? No no turnovers? 17 and 15, yep. I mean, that's, that's but he had no turnovers. I know. That's 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 what that's he sets the tone, man, for the Suns. You're just a whole different team. He literally gets them in all the right positions. He's the Tom Brady of uh, the NBA. I mean, but he doesn't win championship. But he just he's a winner. Wherever he goes, he wins. He leads. No, he makes, he makes average players better. He makes uh, great players even greater. And I know that's, you know, sometimes not the word, but superstars. And, yeah. you know, Jay said, you know, Donovan Mitchell, yeah, he is a superstar. He really is. He's He is a superstar. And and now fans and people are being able to see it, you know. What a steal he was. What a steal. He, he, do you know what? He was the one pick after Luke Kennard. Oh, the Clippers. Oh, no, the Pistons. Pistons took Kennard. I mean, it's funny. That position's like that 12 to 15 to 20 range. I mean, I think Kawhi was somewhere in that 15 to 17 range. I believe Giannis was like 13 or Giannis, 15. Giannis, 15. You know what I mean? So you get you can get a lot, you can get some steals right in there. Guys that you're not sure it might take a year or two of improvement, but I mean Donovan Mitchell has been the best player in that series. Chris Paul has been the best player, and that's why those two teams are up 2-0. Durant's been the best player overall in this whole thing. Uh-huh. And I and I think he's on Durant looks like an angry villain who that's why, that's why he looks like Thanos right now, but no one has a, no one has the solution for him right now. Because he's incredible. There's there's no one that matches up to him, and he's been the best player. He is the best I mean, he looks like the best player in the NBA again. He really does. And that's why the Brooklyn Nets will win the NBA championship this year because they have the I most mean, talented. I mean, Kyrie doesn't really have to do much. They're the, most talented, they're the most talented team in the NBA and, and the NBA, and we've seen recently, and what we've seen in the history of the NBA, talent always wins in the NBA. It doesn't matter what you've got coaching. doesn't matter what you have as a team, chemistry. If you have superstars, you're going to win a championship. Because if, if LeBron and, and uh, Anthony Davis were healthy, they would have beat the Suns, but they were not healthy. I know. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. But what has not been frustrating is what we have. Sports is as is in high effect right now. We got great hockey playoffs. The Islanders are in the Eastern Conference Finals. How about Vegas Knights being the number I watched one? The game. I watched it. I watched it. They took out the number one seed. Vegas Knights. I'm hoping for all, oh, man. Give me a Vegas versus New York. They, they, Vegas took New York. The, they took out the number one seed. That's four years in a row. Three or four years in a row. I was watching last night that the President's Cup, the with the team that had the most points during the regular season got knocked out. Um, it's, been, it's been great. The hockey playoffs have been great. So it's, it really has been great. I watched Vegas last night. They closed out the Islanders. They just, it, they're, they're grooving. They took out Pittsburgh and then they took out the Bruins. Um, and they're probably going to play Tampa Bay. So that, that should be an incredible series. Tampa Bay is really, really good. I mean, they're the defending champs. And Vegas, Vegas is playing Montreal. Is that what it is? Yeah, Montreal's on a win streak right now. They just They're on the West up. Montreal? I think so, well, yeah. Well, the divisions in this year are all screwed up because of everything. Now, so, but the hockey players have been great. Baseball's got to deal with their issues. NFL talk will be talking if there's big news. I know the NFL's kind of at a slow period. We're going to actually start talking about some off-season headlines, stories, and pressure, quarterbacks. Let's, let's start getting into it. We'll talk about that all next week. I hope everybody has a wonderful Weekend, I should say, Ted, enjoy the Connecticut weather. How's it supposed to be, actually, this weekend? Nice? Comfortable. 70s. Nice. Not beach nice. Not beach weather. Maybe a chance of a shower tomorrow. Or the last weekend, it finally hit me that I'm in Florida because I was talking to Pete, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's 90 degrees. I'm like, wait, what do you mean it's 90 degrees? And then I noticed it was June 5th. You lose track of time when you're living in sunshine every day <laughs> for the past five months. 
But everybody, we are Keys to This City. We're streaming on all social media platforms. I know I'm looking tan tan. So subscribe, comment, share, and like as well. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. We are out. Yeah. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know you really viewing greatness in the making. Double up on facts, we stating. Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation. So what you saying, what we saying, prime information. Facts, keys to the city, we're locking the statements. Streaming every Friday.